everybody, and welcome to the Lucas Hyde Podcast. It is time for episode 35, part one. Uh, and today on this long cast, I have a new guest for you guys. I have Josh Cohen. Uh, we are talking politics today. Now, I have not talked politics on the podcast before, so this is a fascinating new venture for me. Um, I have always observed politics from a distance, um, and it's something I've always been fascinating in. It was just interesting to have him on and to talk about some of the things, especially a lot of the contentious points uh, that are happening in our political climate right now. And we talked about Trump. Uh, he does lean a little bit to the right. And so it was just fascinating to hear and have a great conversation and sit down because we didn't agree on everything, uh, which is just the nature of politics. Uh, but we were able to sit down and really just have a discussion. Even when we disagreed on things, it still felt really civil. And it was just an amazing conversation in general, because I really felt uh, that I learned a lot about just the political climate and things that are happening right now uh, in our in our country. And so it was just exciting to have him on. Um, and I thought the conversation was just great. Uh, again, we didn't agree on everything, but the way that we disagreed was really civil and was it was freaking awesome. Uh, I just had so much fun recording it and just asking him questions because he's a little bit more politically savvy than I am. He understands what's happening more than I do right now. Uh, so it was just fun to have him on and talk about those things. All right, guys, without further ado, uh, here is part one with Josh Cohen. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy. How's it going today, Josh? How you doing? I'm doing well. Um, it's a nice Wednesday morning. It is a nice Wednesday spring, morning. Spring is on its way. I can't wait. Uh, the weather this time of year, you were saying earlier while we were hanging out, like this type of weather, this 48 degree weather where there's a little bit of sun. Yeah. I actually like this a lot. It's, I like it. It's I, Philly northeastern weather. Yeah. I, I like in between the seasons. I mean, I don't like it too cold, but I don't mind the cold. I don't mind 35, 45, 50 yeah. degrees. Like, you know, some people... They just hate cold weather. They always yeah. want to be in the heat. And I always tell those people, like, look, if it was 80 degrees every day... You wouldn't like 80 degrees every You day. wouldn't like it. Or or if we didn't have a brutal cold winter, you wouldn't appreciate summer. Yeah. Like, you have to... I like the four seasons. You kind of have to go through the struggle... Exactly. ...of going through... Having to deal with the blizzards, having to deal with a little bit exactly. of ice on the ground. Just make sure you don't get in, like, like a car crash or anything, hit black ice or anything. But, exactly. Yeah. And... I meet people who like those temperate climates. Oh, yeah. L.A. I'm like, who the hell wants to be in weather where it's 60 to 80 degrees like all year? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it sounds great, right? Yeah. But it's boring. You need yeah. some heat waves. You need some blizzards. You need yeah. a little bit of... You need a little bit of everything. It kind of adds a little bit of spice exactly. to life. Exactly. I was just over in California, actually, a couple, oh, wow. I went to, like a month ago. Yeah. And it was just, it was really nice. Like the weather was yeah. nice, but it was super rainy. Really? Like it was super rainy the whole time. And Is windy. it their wet season now? I think so. I think it like right around this time, it gets a little bit wet and uh, just super windy. And I was sitting, I'm thinking, you know what? It might be cold back home, but it's not like this. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I've never been to the West Coast. Yeah, I really? Admit, no, I've never been. I mean, I heard California generally has good weather, but... Oh, it's be it's beautiful out there. Yeah. There's no getting around the fact that it's really nice. Because I was at Berkeley actually. Which oh, was cool. Berkeley, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. which was really nice. Well, um, it was cool to see. One, this actually is kind of a good start because uh, your major had to do with political science, right? History and political science. History and political science. More and, history though. Really, and um, yeah. was there? I know you took a bunch of Arabic classes too, and everything. Yes, I learned. Um, so I went to school down at American University in Washington D.C. Yeah. I was there for about four years. I was living mm -hmm. in D.C. almost five years, actually. Um, graduated from there. 
Yeah. I originally wanted to just do politics. I wanted yeah. to go into political science, maybe international relations, but definitely political science. Yeah. And I took I remember my first year taking a lot of political science courses. Mm-hmm. But I realized, you know, everybody in my cl- some of the my classmates were so into it. Yeah. Domestic politics was like their thing. They were interns with their local representatives or senators. Okay. And I'm I can't compete with people like that because I'm not, I wasn't at that time so engaged in politics. Yeah. I was still more into history. Yeah. And I decided, you know what? I need to switch over and major in history and have some poli sci in my history major, yeah. but not only major in political science. I need okay. to major. I wanted to major in history because that's where my passion was and I felt yeah. that's where I excelled. Yeah. Was there any part of history that specifically drew you to it? Um, I like ancient worlds and i like also like modern like middle east mediterranean history middle east mediterranean regions yeah that's awesome so i can i can kind of see that now so you're um you're one of my friend's friends and uh, yeah that's why i brought you on the podcast today and one thing uh just to tie up this berkeley note real quick i was thinking while i was there um because you went to washington too so there's a lot of political history that is happening right now in all these parts and i was thinking that while i was at berkeley i was like this is kind of a little piece of modern millennial history. There's a lot of stuff that is happening in these parts in here that's always fascinating me. And so going, uh, I wanted to ask you one of the first things that's always been on my mind since I, I knew we were going to record this. What was it like um, being like a poli-sci major, history major, bringing all that together in the capital of the United States? Well, the good thing about being in D.C. is you have to be engaged there because it's a yeah. very political city it's a very Mm. political climate yeah everybody there has some kind of political background of some sort something connected to the government being at the university i found that students there were very engaged and in the political scene very liberal yeah mostly especially and under obama you know dc was happy yeah because it is a a city that leans to the left Mm -hmm. now under trump dc is like all crazy but it's kind of polarized but i think dc's a bubble i mean dc doesn't represent the whole country sadly it doesn't yeah that's that's always been an interesting fact that i think is it's kind of prevalent like in these cities on each of the coasts yeah a lot of people do tend to lean towards that they lean towards the left and liberal liberal they tend to um why why is that is it just because you have a bunch of people that like more a more concentrated amount of people because that's something I've never really understood. I don't always understand it because I always laugh because in like especially in DC, these yeah. people live like the rich Republicans they complain about. Okay. Yet they're voting Democrat mm-hmm. because they have some kind of kumbaya ideological thing going on. They think they're morally superior if they vote Democrat. I honestly think that some some people okay, in the cities. Like, that's why, oh, Democrats are all about helping people. That's what they say. So we're going to vote Democrat mm-hmm. while they're living in mansions with gates around them and walls okay. around their private okay. little communities. And <laughs> yeah. and it's like, well, you guys are kind of hypocritical, some of them. It's like, and then yeah. they'll be very dismissive of, you know, oh, those hickey people in middle America. Well, middle America, they're blue collar workers yeah. and they're going to vote for who's best for them so they can put food on the table for their families, okay. you know? And yeah. We were talking about that a little bit before the podcast because I'm uh, so my personal like political views, I would say I run pretty center um, just because I think I, I think this is what I personally just believe real quick, I guess, to put on the podcast. I think that there's like this middle that mm-hmm. everybody is 
arguing about these these things and that somewhere in this gray area in the middle is where we have the answer to most of the things but we yeah. can't seem to come together and find that and i don't know if that's true because again i'm not like i'm not really well well educated on um politics i just i like to believe that because i really want to believe that we can reach what's best for everybody mm-hmm. you know what i mean um and and yeah so like that's that's what my dream is because like my dream would just be everybody as someone we can find some sort of medium and it might not be perfect for everyone but where everyone can be happy and it's kind of interesting to see now like like we were saying you have these really drastic uh polarizing sides like especially well there's no dialogue there's no conversation so um i'm center right i'm i'm more in the center but i lean to the right i would say i'm like a moderate conservative type how uh do you mind if i ask yeah like how did you um how do you think you got there? Like, Well, and I used to be more liberal, but when I was in D.C. and I was in that left-wing leaning bubble, I realized, like, you know what? These people, some of them are so out of touch with ordinary Americans, and then they wonder why so many ordinary Americans who used to vote Democrat suddenly voted Republican. A lot of former Obama supporters actually voted for Trump in 2016. That's, I mean, yeah, that's one thing I was hearing. Um, we were talking about a little bit before, yeah. too, was um, I watched a couple videos um, during the election. I actually, I was, uh, I actually called Trump winning the election. Mm-hmm. I actually said the night before I said, oh, I think really? he's going to win. Wow. I said, uh, it just seems too perfect. You know what I mean? Everything seems too perfect. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was watching a couple breakdowns that said the reason he won, it wasn't because uh, uh, you were saying this before, which is a really good point. The people that are Republican and really hardcore Republican, mm-hmm. they're going to vote Republican. Yeah. It's the same with the Democrats. The people that are really hardcore Democrats, they're going to vote Democrats. And no, I'm not saying that's good or bad. That's just what they believe and they want to. And some people might just do it to either lean to one side or the another and kind of go with the flow. But um, what really changed those votes in those big swing states where you're saying were these blue collar workers that use that did vote for Obama yeah. that kind of switched sides? Because I think the percentage points, it was like really oh, close. Well, swings. It? Yeah. And in a lot of the swing states that happened, look, I, I, I'll admit, I actually was a former Hillary supporter mm-hmm. yet. Even as a kind of moderate conservative, I was yeah. still actually v- supporting Hillary Clinton because I yeah. thought Trump was crazy at the time. That's you know that's how the media portrayed him, and I still think he has some negative characteristics and all, yeah. of course. But I don't think he was represented fairly. I think the eighty-five percent of our mainstream media has a liberal bias. How do you expect media like that to portray any mm. Republican candidate fairly? How? Wh- why do you think that is? That because so one thing that. Um, like I've I I haven't said it on the podcast before that but I've talked about with my friends is that I'm I wouldn't say I'm a Trump supporter because I disagree with a lot of the things he does yeah and I also agree with just some of the things I think that like I said I think that I think kind of being president kind of sucks yeah <laughs> but because uh, you can't please everybody and nope. he's going to do things that just by the nature of the office he's going to do things that you're going to like and then he's going to do things you really hate but it yeah. seems like in today's political climate I think more than any other president. It's just everybody seems against yeah. him. And I don't, I think it, it probably seems centers that around, way. Yeah. But behind closed doors, I believe there's a <laughs> silent majority yeah. who, when they go to vote, they're going to hit Trump in 2020. Really? Because our economy is doing well now. We've got, we have, he's pushing for stronger national security. He's yeah. kicking butt on the international stage and isn't allowing other countries to take advantage of us. And I truly believe that with the way the Democrat, the Democrat party doesn't get it. They 
the reason they lost 2016 was because they were already starting to lean too much to the left. And Hillary was pandering more and more to the far left. Hmm. Now they're trying to lean more to the far left with these new candidates coming out. Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, this Beto guy in Texas. I mean, and they're all trying to play like who could be the most progressive, who could be the most more, most to the most left wing. Yeah. That's why they lost, though, in yeah. 2016. They, they lost that centered, pragmatic yeah. approach. Yeah. Trump, now, I would argue that the Republicans were also leaning to, too much to the conservative side for a while until Trump, an ex-Democrat from New York, actually, even though the conservatives don't even realize it, he actually made the Republican Party a little bit more moderate. I mean, some of the things he's doing, like this trade, you know, tariff thing, Mm -hmm. that's not a conservative idea. how come that? What is the conservative <laughs> idea there? Because I again, like, well, they just believe in free trade. There okay. should be no tariffs and all, like okay. you know, like free trade, free trade, free trade. Oh, and okay, here he yeah. is putting tariffs on goods that we import because he says those countries put tariffs on our goods, and hmm. it's not fair. I mean, in the short term, he has goals, I guess, to for those countries to take off tariffs on American yeah. products that yeah. we're selling overseas. But long term, there could be actually dangerous effects to that. So, I mean, I, I, it's a very controversial thing he's doing. And some yeah. people agree with it. Some people disagree with it. Mm-hmm. I think I would say I have mixed feelings. Yeah. Okay, that's fascinating. How? Okay, but, interesting. The the point that really sticks out to me mm-hmm. there is that, like you said, the Republicans, um, and from what it seems like, they're really for, from my understanding it from here and everything, they're really for free trade. How is he able to get them to get a more moderate, practical well, approach lot, that way? So here's the thing. A lot of conservatives, and I'll admit this, they're following yeah. Trump blindly. No matter what Trump does, they're following. It's like they'll follow Trump whatever he does. And then Democrats, they always have to pose everything he does so it's like you have people who are like sheep oh. and then you have people who are constantly have to be contrary to everything so like border security a couple years ago the democrats were speaking very very tough about illegal immigration now all of a sudden mm-hmm. they're like practically for it they're mm-hmm. like no there's some pe- extreme fringes of mm-hmm. the democrat party are calling for open borders i mean they're like tear down any wall or gate that exists on the border a fence whatever i mean it's like and it's why? Because Trump is saying it. If Trump said tomorrow that he's pro-choice, they're all going to be pro-life. It's like anything Trump says, they're the opposite. Yeah. And then you have re- the conservative base and Republicans and whatnot who blindly will accept anything Trump does, even if they deep down inside know that some of what Trump's doing is actually not conservative. Some of his ideas are actually kind of liberal okay. or moderate. Yeah. One thing that sticks out to me, like as you paint this picture yeah. of that that's something that i see personally is that um from from the outside is that um people really just want to play these sides and really want to go just against him all out or they want to be for him all out and i think that that's kind of the issue in politics itself is when you have like um and tell you can tell me if i'm wrong mm-hmm. here like i kind of see this well, we just are going to hate everything that he does. And if he does anything good, we're not going to notice those things. But, and if he does anything bad, we're going to amplify those things. And I think it's good to note and take time to say, okay, well, you know what? Let's say from the position of a really far mm-hmm. left-leaning Democrat, um, uh, you know what? I really don't like Trump, right? But if he does a couple good things, that's okay. And I really hate all these things he does, and I still hate those things. Yeah. But to acknowledge the good things where they come. And... I think on the Republicans as well, like you're saying, if they're just going to blindly follow him on all these things, I don't think that's going to help for this whole conversation dialogue that doesn't seem to be happening. Exactly. Yeah. And how did we 
get here? Like, how did it get so extreme? Or is it just that the extremists are the loudest voices? There, I think a lot. They're the loudest voices. I agree with that. I yeah. think the media has really tr- has played a huge role in polarizing this country. I, I, I believe that. that yeah. I believe the media has done a lot to polarize this country. I think the media does not represent the majority of Americans. Only a, like a fraction of Americans would even identi- identify themselves as liberal, a minority. Like, I don't know, it's like 20%, 25 not even 25% of Americans actually identify as liberal. Really? Yet 85% of the media is very liberal. So it's like most people in this country are either centered or conservative. Mm-hmm. And the media doesn't reflect those people. And I think that's where, like I said, that's how Trump was able to grab so many votes was because that middle, middle of the, you know, people in the middle who felt like the whole hope, hope and change, whatever thing that Obama was running on never mm-hmm. really happened. That Obama had, Obama, you know, I didn't, I was I didn't, I didn't vote for Obama, but mm-hmm. like I can put aside politics and say, I do agree with some of the things Obama did, yeah. but then there's a lot of things he did that I don't agree with. And I think he had a lot of false promises. Yeah. I don't know about the, um, again, I didn't follow Obama too closely. Uh, and I don't know about the, false promises. I know that there were things that he promised that he didn't uh, get through on. And I, one thing that interests me is how, what is the percentage of presidents that they promise things and they can't accomplish because then they get there. But Trump's different. Is he? He's made promises and he's kept his promises. He kept, he's kept his word. So like I was a former Hillary supporter, right? I remember I actually went to one of the protests against the ban thing. He had six countries on a ban for because they have terrorists or they have mm-hmm. high terror alerts there. And he inherited this list from the Obama administration who already had a very strict uh, enforced visa restrictions on those six Muslim majority countries yeah. that had high um, terrorism risk. Yeah. And then Trump took it a step further and actually had a 90 day ban on those countries from anyone entering or whatever. But I, I thought it was, I thought it was ridiculous. And I remember protesting it. I was um, uh, with a lot of people from school and the neighborhood in DC. We went to the white house and it was a big protest against the ban. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was in January of 2017. I was still not really like, I guess you could say, on the Trump train, if you want yeah. to call it that. <laughs> so I was I was still like, you know, I, I, I didn't agree with the policy. And I said, if there's a policy I don't agree with, I'm going to protest. But then as the year went on in 2017, my views started to change. By the end of 2017, I started to see that economically and other things, the country was actually getting better. Yeah. And I was like, why aren't, why is it the media covering this? And I started to do my own research. And I started to read more and look at the numbers and look at things. And I said, you know what? He's doing a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of 2018 is really when I really started to become, like you could say, on the Trump train, I guess. And I began to say, I approve of not everything, but yeah. I would say 75% of what he's doing. Yeah. And what I'm, are, a, you know, as a former Hillary supporter, yeah. I evolved to become. I became objective. I became, and that's just that's how it happened. And I, you know, one thing that um, I felt like when that election was going on is that um, I, it seemed like it was a two bad choices kind of, and Hillary yeah. seemed. Um, I didn't know her as much. It, it just seemed really weird that uh, with Bernie and the movement behind him mm-hmm. and the people that were behind him, uh, just to bring him up because that was a whole, that was a yeah. real big controversy yeah. in that of entire course. election, was there was a lot of, especially my age group, mm-hmm. young people were really pushing for him and it seemed that a lot of people really wanted him and it 
didn't pan out. And it seemed like it should have panned out that way, which was kind of well, odd to me. Or is that just the fact that because I was still in college and or I'm still going to college, I'm taking the yeah. semester off, but is that because I'm in this, am I myself at the time in this bubble of where I'm hearing people and I'm deaf to the, um, even the, like the conservative side? I think the Bernie thing, well, see... I didn't like Bernie Sanders. I know a lot of people liked him. I okay. think he's a good person. I really, I think that's, he's a very d- genuine person. That's what attracted me to him as a to when I was supporting him. Like mm-hmm. when I supported him, was the fact that he seemed like he wanted the best for everybody. Now I don't know how practical but the policies that, are. That's that's the that's, but. Okay, okay, yeah. I don't agree with him politically. I think okay. his economic vision is so flawed. I okay, mean, how come? The fa- I think anyone who actually calls themselves a socialist really needs to take a a strong look in the mirror and go to some of those countries that really do have socialist um, governments. Because my grandmother is from the former Soviet Union. She was born there. From my personal family story, we saw what real socialism looks like, and it's not pretty. It's not pretty. And when people throw this word, I'm a socialist, but I'm a democratic socialist, socialism leads to fascism okay. it does and they talk war against I fascists um, it actually leads to like totalitarian governments and it's like, i think i i've actually read some article i off the top i can't remember off the top of my head that have said once you get to these really extreme polarizing sides yeah. that that is where you you actually start going down the rabbit hole there is when you really yes start to, because the government when the government controls every aspect of the economy it's kind of oh. hard to be free and have freedom of anything it's like it's not it's the opposite of democracy and so these socialist countries become these totalitarian dictatorships and look at uh, and uh, very authoritarian and autocratic look at venezuela what happened there you are you actually your main interest is uh international yeah so uh, let's let's go down this because i want to yeah and like you have these countries uh, that tried the socialist experiment communist experiment and it doesn't work. And then people will say, well, what, ooh, look at Sweden, look at Finland, look at the, the Norway, the, the Scandinavia. Those are not socialist countries. People are falsely calling those. Those are not their social. It's social democracy. So what What's, those countries what are. Apart, yeah, okay. Yeah. What yeah. sets that apart? Yeah. Those are capitalistic countries with free market economies, but they have a lot of social programs, more than oh. what we have in the U.S. Is that. And but they pay for it. They ha- okay. they have higher taxes. They're paying oh, 60, okay. 70% income tax. Yeah. Middle class people there are paying high, high, exorbitant income tax. And that's how they are able to finance all of that, that social programs they have there. And there's, and not everybody's so happy about it in Scandinavia. Some people want things to be more privatized again, and they don't want the government taking over half their paycheck. I mean, people think, oh, look are at they, you know. Are they really taking half their paycheck? Yes, yes. Yeah. I have, in some of those countries, and it's, hmm. yes, in certain, yeah. My cousin, I have a cousin, she's an engineer. Okay. I have a third cousin, she's Swedish. She lives yeah. in Gothenburg, Sweden. Yeah. She's an engineer, and she told me, you know, I wish I lived in the United States. I said, why? She said, as an engineer... I would be making so hmm. much more money in the United States. Interesting. She says in Sweden, I make almost as much money hosting beer festivals because she does it as a hobby okay. as I do as an engineer. Hmm. She's like, it's crazy. She says, people think everything's so great here. She's like, yeah, we do have some good social programs, but okay. we pay for it. 
The government takes our money. They take our tax. We have very high taxes. She says, I wish our country could go back in the direction more of the United States, where we have reasonable social programs. We do every, I think every capitalistic society must have a social safety net. We do, you know, but I I do think it's important because I want to help for me, especially like I want everybody to be able to try and live exactly the way they can. Not everyone is going to be able to live, um, like a, a rich, lavish lifestyle, of right? Of course not. But I would love for the majority of people, I would like, um, especially the people that are living in poverty mm-hmm. and, and they can't uh, get themselves, uh, they can't get the money, or they maybe live in an area where they can't get a job in order to yep. generate the income, in order to live the life that is a comfortable life. I know, you what know you mean. a comfortable living life. And so I'm trying to, uh, one thing that really is curious about me as you're talking about these social programs is, how can we find this balance of where we don't have these extreme taxes for a lot of people, but we can have like a good social net? We for- need, yeah. We need the social programs. We yeah. need them. People, we, we need to give people a boost. Yeah. We, we need social security, of course, for so people when they can retire and be, live comfortable lives after working yeah. many years and paying into the system. We how need does, all of that. How does social security work real quick? Sorry. It's, it's basically, it's like you, when you work and you pay taxes every yeah. year, and then you retire, you get some kind of check. You get a social security check from the government. So okay. a lot of people, they live off their whatever savings they have, yeah. retirement, fund, whatever, mm-hmm. however they or- organize their financial situation yeah. for when they stop working. And then the government gives older people social security yeah. so that they have something now to live off of. But yeah. you can't really live off social security. You're going to need something else. I think it's 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 kind of hard with the way you know, depending on where you live, hmm. if you're if you live in an expensive area, it's not going to be easy just to live off of social security. Yeah. You're going to need some kind of supplementary, oh, you know, okay, something yeah, savings, yeah. Mm-hmm. or maybe you have a pension or whatever it might be. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, social security is designed to help senior citizens and people who are no longer working so that they can still live. Because who, who nobody's going to work till the day they they die. Who can yeah. do that? Who, you're going to be 90 years old and still working nine to five. I mean, yeah, that's uh, just not sustainable. 65 is a good yeah. age to retire. And that's, yeah. you know, or maybe even 60, 60, 65. Yeah. But, um, I just feel like, you know, we, we need these programs. It's, it's very, and we should not never have cuts to social security. When the government talks about cuts to social security, I'm like, no, 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 no way. But what we do need to crack down on is welfare fraud and people who are taking advantage of social programs so they don't have to work. That's yeah. going on. That People try to deny it. It's happening. Mm-hmm. It's happening all over this country. People yeah. want to work less and get more. It's like this, this culture of entitlement. We need less entitlement. People need to have more personal responsibility and need to work hard and, 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 and have, you know, I I I was I'm on I was unemployed for a while. I still t- I got a job in something completely unrelated to my field because yeah. I still I wanted to make money make money. I need to yeah you, you know need to make a sustainable living. I'm not going to just sit around and say oh I just graduated college and I don't have a job yet. Oh my god, what an yeah. awful system! Mm-hmm. Overthrow capitalism, socialism. No, I'm not like come mm-hmm. on like. Yeah. Then maybe you, people need to major in something that they can, they're guaranteed a job when they graduate. And if they don't major in something that they're guaranteed a job when they graduate, then they need to be patient and work in something else in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's happening to a lot of people where they they get these degrees where they can't? Um, they yeah. One they, thing that I've um so I've talked to a couple of friends of mine that are they're a little bit older or actually no um so something that I've been hearing is that uh 
the way that the, with how expensive college is and for the degrees that people are getting, one thing I've been hearing is that once we have this influx of all these people that are going to come in and they can't get jobs, that there's going to be a lot of problems. I, that's that's true. Yeah. That's true. And, when people offer free education and everybody now has a college degree, guess what? When you have too many people with degrees but not enough jobs to accommodate that that them in the job market, you have all these yeah. educated people without a job. Yeah. Is there I'm curious, is the solution then, how do we find the jobs for those people? Or is it then, do we need to adjust what degrees people are getting? Where is Where can we find that, um, where things kind of connect, where we can find that we still can have people get the degrees that they need? Because it's almost, in today's society, the stigma is you need to get a gr- degree in order to be successful. And I don't think that's for everybody, but for a lot of people, it almost seems that way. Well... Especially on the coasts. Well, people like have this idea, college, 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 college. And like we have not invested a lot in like trade industries and just like going to tech school and other things like that. Is that a Republican ideal? Like they kind of, I've heard them talk about it. I just don't know. um, They, not to categorize it, but. I think under Trump, there's a lot of more blue collar jobs out there now because he says, you know, blue, blue, we focus a lot on the white collar professions, but we don't focus on the blue collar world and get bringing more jobs to blue collar america Mm -hmm. and it's yeah and then you have people like you said with these degrees and they don't have jobs and they're not majoring in the right things they're not we don't have enough investment in math and science in this country i think we're i agree with that falling behind i I definitely agree with that the ability to uh that's what's going to modernize the country is getting people into math and science yes and those types of jobs because that's what drives your society, right? Is, yeah. is the ability to have more people that are doing these high-powered, intelligent jobs that really are research and uh, innovation. And all my fr- like, I have I have a good amount of friends that go to. Uh, I didn't go to a big school, but I have a, a couple friends that go into bigger schools. And th- what always fascinates me is how intelligent some of these kids are, and even if they're a little bit younger than I am. And when they go into science and math, and I always feel like these kids can do amazing, huge things. And I would love for more people to. Um, to go in that direction there's so much there's so much going on in the science world and, and math world and there's just there's so many professions tied into those areas that yeah. there's there are tons of jobs but i think a lot of people like bef- before they go to college are not being prepared well enough mm-hmm. to really get into mathematics or science mm-hmm. i can tell you i wasn't a math person but part of that was also because I didn't have pa- I didn't always have patient teachers who were willing to go that extra mile to That's help me in math. I, the one thing I want to agree with you there is that um I so another one of my friends uh, actually he's been on the podcast Andrew mm-hmm. he might have even said it on the podcast I, I said to him at one point I was like I'm not very good at math and he said no no you're smart Lucas like you can you could be good at math and you're you're in you're trying to get a degree in bio you're pretty smart that way you just never had a teacher that was patient enough for you yeah and is that um what is curious to me is how do we then address that is that an issue of education then well one thing that so this has no political yeah. uh, evidence behind it but one thing that stuck around with me and you can see the the extent of my political knowledge here so i was watching the west wing one time and uh they said if we could figure out education that would be really good because the ability to educate people properly mm-hmm. and i don't know if that's true like again i don't know if that's exactly true but that seems to make sense to me that if we could properly get people the right education that they need, we could then bring them into into this modern world of where we can have the jobs for them because they then have the education they need. And how how true does that ring? 
I I think yeah, education matters a lot. In other countries, they have more rigorous programs. There's more discipline in the okay. family in the culture. Kids come home from school, and the parents, you know, are like, "You need to do your homework." They force their kids to study for three hours. And in those countries, yeah. they're advancing in those areas more than we are. I don't think we have enough discipline in this country. Hmm, um, also, another issue. Um, teachers will hate me for saying this, but. I think summer vacation is too long. I think <laughs> children are not retaining what they learn in a school year yeah. when they have these, you know, 10 week summer vacations, mm-hmm. mid June to the end of August, some, even into Labor Day in England, in, in, in the UK, in, in Europe, in other countries, in Latin America. They only have a six week summer vacation. They, summer vacation starts July 1st and they go back to school like middle of August. Six weeks. That's pretty short, yeah. We have like 10 weeks. And children, they, they forget, I think, more than half of what they learn during the year. They don't retain anything because they the summer vacation so long. I think they need to have more vacations throughout the year, but it should be spread out. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should have like a fall break, a, a two-week spring break, uh, maybe a two-week or three-week winter break. A lot of So in Europe, they have a longer Christmas winter breaks yeah. for the holidays, but... That's one thing, and their colleges work differently too yeah. than ours. Yeah, their scheduling. Because I have a couple friends that go over to, uh, they go to university in uh-huh. Germany. Oh wow! And they, uh, they say their their breaks do not line up with ours, and they're not as long. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're not. They're not. They're not able to. You have to be able to retain what you learn. And I can tell you, when I was a kid. I forgot a lot of things that I learned during the year because summer vacation. Who the heck's, you know, you're out having, kids are out having fun. They're in summer camp yeah, yeah. or whatever. And they look forward to it all year from yeah. the day, day one starts. But that's, I think, in some ways. Which is normal. Not, yeah, but mm-hmm. I think I think that time period needs to be broken up differently. Hmm, interesting. It's just, I think that would make, I think people, children would, would be able to uh, uh, keep, keep in their heads what they learned. I mean. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a really good point is that if we can really pin down how to educate and get uh, especially this new wave of of children that are coming up and see and gear them towards whatever jobs they need to get or and find help them find their passions where they can be, really be successful and help the world. Yeah. And that's what's going to help our society. And that's the thing though. So then kids they go okay. to college, they go to college. Colleges are like it's like the mainstream media. It's 90% liberal. The professors are like an average university is 12 to one registered Democrat versus registered Republican. So they're going to colleges and they're getting basically, in my opinion, and I saw it myself. This is also what made me more conservative because I, I literally saw this going on in the classroom. That's interesting to they, me that, um, real sorry to cut yeah, you yeah, off, yeah. but it's really fascinating to me that going to college where you have, and I think nobody would deny, like you're saying, yeah. that it's liberal centric, that yeah. when you go to college, you're more likely to become liberal because you're surrounded by people that are more liberal. Not that it's a bad or no. a good thing. That's just what happens because everybody's really young and they're um well, they're learning that way. But that that made you more conservative. That just fascinates because me. Because I realize like there's right. It's a left. It's left wing indoctrination. Yeah. I read freaking work by Karl Marx and things, and mm-hmm. I was being told capitalism is evil and uh, all this awful things in the united states we have this awful history and all this imperialistic stuff and they focus on such negative stuff they don't talk they didn't talk about that yeah we did some shitty things in our foreign policy during the cold war but they don't talk what was the what was the big threat though to our way of life communism Mm -hmm. marxism totalitarian governments uh 
rising up in the in the name of where well, we're going to help the workers and redistribute wealth. That's why we spent so many years and energy in the Cold War to fight this authoritarian socialism, which is what communism is, um, fighting it. And and then, you know, I'm almost losing my train of thought, but like yeah, no, we, we, all this, you know, energy fighting it and yeah, and really trying to combat it and, yeah. and make sure that it doesn't come into One and now thing, we yeah. have in our college universities like people yeah. are like oh i'm a marxist like it's something yeah. cool and yeah. i'm like that's not that's you're against democracy if that's how you really feel interesting yeah i have not i'm you know what i'm gonna have to write down some things to read for so yeah, i can uh, catch but, up but, like, but like definitely but like I'm definitely school. somewhat out of my depth on information here, but I'm I'm you know enjoying, what I mean? I'm loving this. There, yeah. Because we 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 the, it's college students were not given that context of why did the US do all these crazy, you know, supporting coups yeah, in these yeah. countries? What was the underlying thing happening globally that yeah. made the US do some not such nice foreign policy gestures? Yeah. But what was the ultimate reason they did it? To combat communism, which was a far, far greater and Vicious ideology that the United States was fighting. Was it? Um, I mean, a hundred million it, people or something have died in the last yeah, century as a result of communism. Yeah, and socialism. Stalin killed. A, um, Stalin, Chairman Mao. Yeah, all of these. There's a lot of really, really communist dictators, and that have killed many, many people and put their genocides mm-hmm. and all this. Uh, is North Korea a communist? Yeah, yeah. Dictator? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, just yeah. double checking. I I didn't know if it was some sort of. Um, I knew that he was a dictator. I didn't know if it yeah. classified as a communist yeah. dictatorship, though. Um, is it just because of the execution of it, though? Like, is there a way that it could no. be executed? Okay. It's just inherently. I really don't think there's. I mean, because there's even when it starts off peaceful, it gets violent. It's just the whole idea is basically it, communism itself shuts down pub, any discourse that's like not in its favor i mean is it that, shuts down free speech it uh, shuts down because everything. it because it gives everything every, <laughs> the government the controls everything they oh, just okay. they control every little thing there is there is no freedom of expression or you have to do what the government says you're basically a slave to the government okay. and that's what happens to the workers in communist societies oh you are okay. a slave to the to the government and you and don't have the freedom to kind of live your life the, the way no you don't get to I you don't control so. your money you don't control you don't own property oh, okay you don't you have no you're in standing in lines for food okay. you're standing in lines for food i mean it's awful it's an awful and really? part of my family came from a communist country and yeah. They saw firsthand how, you know, and how did that happen? Because there was a time when things, there was a really a big socioeconomic gap in Russia during the czar's time okay. under the monarchy. And people got frustrated. So communism sounded appealing on paper. But once it came into the government, you know, things got very industrialized. Okay. But then people in the long run suffered a lot. I mean, the peasants, yeah. economic policies mm-hmm. led to mass famines where millions of okay. people died. Yeah. And that, I think that's a... Uh... Something I'm thinking about kind of in my head, too, is that as they shifted towards that communist dictatorship with, with Stalin and everything, were they able to then, they were able to industrialize really fast, I guess, because they were able to put everybody into the jobs that they needed to well, do and give people jobs. Well, in the Soviet but... Union, okay. Russia yeah, yeah, yeah. was far behind the rest of Europe. So yeah, yeah. England, France, they all had their industrial revolutions, even Germany and all of them. Russian Empire, though, in 1917... When the Tsar was overthrown in the February Revolution, yeah. it was still like medieval Europe. They yeah. had a feudal society with peasants and serfs yeah. working mm-hmm. for these rich, you know, lords, and it was like the arist- 
aristocrats were living in Moscow and St. Petersburg, but the rest of the country was very, like, desolate. Yeah. And when Stalin came to Lenin and then Stalin, Stalin was like, we got industrialized. And he put all his energy and all the country's yep. resources on the factories and building up Russia, making it, making the Soviet Union this modern country. And yeah. But he did this at a, the cost of starving peasants uh, yeah, and taking and the their food from yeah. them to give the factory workers. I mean, oh, it was okay, crazy. Yeah, yeah. It was, he, uh, back to like my, what I was saying earlier though, is that when I was in college, I didn't really, they didn't talk about these things. They didn't talk. So while they're bashing co- capitalism and, and how capitalism is evil and look at yeah. what we did, they're not talking that capitalism has its flaws, but communism is so much worse. It's so much more dangerous. And and socialism is lead, that, can lead to communism very easily, okay. very quickly. <laughs> is it because um so I guess I'm kind of thinking of it this way. Is it possible that communism is really good in driving the country in order for a greater ideal of what you want, but at the sacrifice of the social structure of how people live their lives well, and, it's, and, it's, and how they can enjoy themselves or? it's basically you're you're basically you're basically enslaving your, you're letting yourself become a yeah. slave to the government and i don't think anybody wants, to, wants live to live like that, that. One, and yeah. if anybody really wants to live like that i think they need to see a shrink because it's like why would you want to be a slave to a government hmm. oh so you can stand in line for food wouldn't you rather just work on your own and mm-hmm. make they, your own life yeah. and live the way you want to live i mean do they really would? stand in line for yeah. I, I know oh, yeah. I, i've I've heard that for uh, definitely in communist Russia. I think that that's uh, I don't know if that's a uh, propaganda, but I've definitely seen that that's oh, yeah. the type of thing because people were starving to death. And, well, but that, yeah. that's just the government had the rationale. There was yeah. no industry; like everything was rationed out, and yeah. and especially in North Korea, that's one too where well, people, they don't even have food to give out. Like they're like really starving there. Yeah. It's like it's, yeah, it's awful. It's yeah. I mean, and these systems, and and yet, but like I said, here I was in university. They weren't talking about these. They were like, oh, they would gloss right over it. But they would spend lots of time talking about capitalism yeah. and all its flaws. But they and, and and like I said, how we conducted ourselves during the Cold War in mm-hmm. Latin America and the coups we supported, even though some of them were, you know, they was just, sometimes we supported awful military dictatorships. But it was all because there was a, they, they don't bring in the greater context of what was going on. We were picking the lesser of two evils. We, rather, we would rather support a military dictatorship than a communist dictatorship. Yeah. And and that's what we were combating. We were combating this idea that f- f- the free market should not exist, democracy yeah. should not exist, and you know, and our whole foreign policy during the Cold War was how to combat Soviet style, uh, Soviet influence, and communism and, and socialism, and countries that were leaning into the towards the Soviet way of doing things, and. Yeah. That's why the U.S. did what it what it did, and 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 when I was in classes, these professors did not; they left out that context. Yeah. So students were getting easily brainwashed. Like, oh my gosh, capitalism mm. is so evil. Socialism must be the answer. Yeah. Oh my god, look at what capitalism caused us to do, and in order to protect our you know interests overseas, and look yeah. at some of the awful foreign policy things we did. Yeah. Well, would you would rather have the United States sit back yeah. and not get involved anywhere and not intervene and then just because the Soviets were yeah. intervening no matter what and they spread their influence to many countries. Yeah. I want to actually touch on this. Um, this is kind of a conundrum in my mind is the um, one thing that I think I remember especially from the election um, in 2016 was that 
the Democrats were really they were really trying to drive away from this uh, involvement in foreign politics and and trying to influence them, right? Like we did, yeah. like you're saying in the Cold War, where we had kind of these underlying. We had like CIA coups and yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I don't know how I entirely feel about us getting involved in. I understand the um what you're saying to 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 protect our culture which is important i think it's important to have our site which is another fascinating point uh before i uh, mm-hmm. let me just touch on it because it seems like everybody wants to live like us and a lot of people want to come yeah. here um and live in america and try and be successful here because mm-hmm. it's the land of opportunity I, I really do believe that and um they want to uh talk about how that get having these CIA coups and influencing other countries is is not a good thing, but also is this kind of isolationist idea that I feel like also comes from the Republican side, right? Where they do kind of want to just there's, kind of isolate as well. Well, there's, right? there's isolationists on both sides, and then, okay, there's, yeah. then there's people on both sides that do want to be very international and, 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 yeah. and interve- intervene. And, okay, and yeah. it's like the neoconservative idea was always like fight for freedom and spread democracy, but we saw that that doesn't really work when we intervene in all these different places. They yeah. can, there's a you know backlash and yeah it's it, it depends um it depends i think obviously in the cold war we were dealing with something very different communism was spreading okay, very yeah. rapidly and if we didn't do what we ha- did there would have been communist countries all over this hemisphere in Latin they america were, um, there would have been all yeah. over africa asia it, it, not just in europe i mean it spread fast and the, the and people looked at and all the communists in different countries looked up to the Soviet Union as they're they're going to help us they're going to help us you know overthrow whatever government we live in and like in Vietnam and China I know a lot of uh, countries their governments they had a lot of uh, anti communist programs to combat yeah. the communist uh, the socialists that were rising in there mm-hmm. that were gathering together yep. um, I know in Great Britain that was a big thing too where they had socialists that were having these underground yep. parties getting oh, together yeah. yeah I had a my actually my um, that's kind of your thesis was on really the British left and its relationship to the Soviet Union during the 1920s and how yes and how the Soviet Union actually galvanized and 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 essentially made brought about this excitement and fervor among the Labour Party and and a lot of other British leftists in Britain in the 20s and they all were like looking at the Soviet Union as some sort of utopia even though they didn't obviously didn't realize like um hello have you seen what's going on there like the Soviet Union was not a pleasant place in the 20s -hmm. but they they felt empowered by the fact that the Russians were able to do it let's bring it to to the UK yeah and I feel you get to that thesis before you finish that point it wasn't even my area of like history that I even studied, but <laughs> I ended up taking a course that was focused on the early days of modernity from the British perspective and okay. early 20th century. And I actually, I didn't really have much choice. I had to pick a topic relating somehow to the, to the British. Oh, okay. And in the early 20th century, and I chose this topic of the British left and the Soviet Union because I found it fascinating because it's, it's just one early example of how these left-wing groups were all behind, not all of them, but most of them behind closed doors were at some to some degree coordinating yeah. their activities with the blessing of the Soviet Union. And that's yeah. like, and the U.S. knew this. That's why we, we did have a hysteria in some sense mm-hmm. to anybody who was even remotely left-wing. We were afraid like, oh my God, what if they have the ties to the Soviet Union? Because a lot of people did. A lot of countries, they had political movements and parties that yeah. did have pro-Soviet f- uh, you know, I- ideas. And it was scary. And that's why the U.S. 
and and other you know NATO and yeah. that's why we conducted ourselves the way we did during the Cold War. Yeah. Despite yeah, I recognize some horrible things happened in countries where there were these coups that the U.S. supported or yeah. uprisings or whatever. But ultimately, we were trying to combat something that was far far worse, and it was creeping on our own shores. Look at Cuba; it was getting very close to the United States. And we needed to do everything we needed to do to combat communism. And guess who won? We did. We did. Yeah. So now I see those. One, these, one note you know, I want to say is yeah. that uh, in the world, it seems, and I'm not, um, it seems like the good guys have won in our timeline. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. With the right, like in World War II and then Cold War and everything. Yeah. And, um, it's good that nothing obviously came from it. But it, it fascinates me too that just that time in history because you said you're a history major yeah. and i can already tell that you this is you really do have this this just this fascination for all these things that happened yeah. at that point in time and just all of that but um it fascinates me how we had our own little underground dealings but it's kind of painting a clearer picture to me too that they also had their own it was just conducted differently well, and, but but, we, but at least in at least in theory we were fighting for for something for essential for democracy and 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 and, 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 and our our core values of of, of mm-hmm. being an, an individual and having yeah. freedom freedom of movement freedom of work freedom of you know just doing what you want to do as yeah. opposed to the government controlling every aspect of your life and they were fighting for something that was basically global global uh, enslavement to you, to the government it was it's that's what communism is i mean they dictate to you what you do i mean yeah. it's like and I think that context is missing. So when you do have young, naive millennials saying socialism, socialism, capitalism is evil, they need to read think, a history book. Do you think it's naive or just mis- misguided? Or both. Both. They need to okay. talk to people. So you, you think it is naive? And, uh, yeah, yep. interesting. They need to speak to people from the former Soviet Union and communist regimes who escaped and socialist places like Venezuela, real socialism. Um, they need to speak to those people before okay. they start throwing out this word like 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 it's some kind of cool club to belong to. Um, socialist. Oh, I'm a democratic socialist, which to me is like. Do you think it's this? Uh, people just really, really want to identify with something. I just think they want to fight the system. They think like they're you know they're pretending have, they're like they're I have seen some interesting stats that people that when they're younger they do tend to lean more left, and as mm-hmm. they get older they tend to get more conservative. Um, yep, I don't and know how true that is. But. I agree. I think it is. I think they're already young people have tendency to be naive because they lack global experiences. They live in bubbles off quite often, and then, like I said, they go to college, university, and they're made into basically little. They 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 get fed a lot of left wing narratives. So they come out of college with this idea that the world is awful and that they they have to fix it and they have Mm -hmm. to fix it this certain way and Uh, they've been taught all the awful things uh the 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 the, the bad things about capitalism but they're not taught the good things about capitalism and how capitalism has helped many people and helped many people succeed in life and has actually helped develop many countries and and Mm -hmm. has done more good than bad what good has communism done? What good has the, the only good thing I can think of communism in Russia was everybody could read and write. It brought yeah. literacy because everybody was forced to go to school. But like, yeah. what, 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 what? And oh, people, they did have universal health care in the Soviet Union. But what, what was universal health care in the Soviet Union when people were starving from famines due to poor economic policies and re- redistribution of wealth? Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, there's just yeah. 
Interesting. I think people need to, they need to read. I mean, they need, history is so important because yeah. history provides context. That's one thing I, I really do agree with is that history provides context and history does repeat itself. And people look at contemporary issues and they tend to look at conflicts. Let's say, for example, a con- particular conflict. They look at things through a very narrow lens mm-hmm. because they don't know history. They're ignorant of history. But if they weren't ignorant of history, that lens would not be narrow. Yeah. And then they would have a more objective nuanced approach to mm-hmm. some of these contemporary issues and topics and whatever we're talking about. But people who don't know history are often coming, uh, making quick conclusions, quick judgments. And if they just study the history behind something, they might come to a very, very different conclusion. Uh, they might be able to make more farsighted choices. Yes. From understanding and making. Yes. And history repeats itself. And yeah. I just I have. Do you think it's interesting in in today's day and age, though? Just with how do you think things just move quicker? With I know almost everything seems to come down to it, and especially my podcasts and and uh, and the way I talk Mm -hmm. with the internet Mm -hmm. and just uh, the introduction of that. Or do you do you think it's just magnifying the rate at which these things are happening, or is it different this time? Because again, with the ability of the internet, everybody that especially on these extremist sides, like we were talking about, on the far ends. they can be really, really loud. They well, there's really a lot of propaganda, and um, and like you said, they're very. I think the far left and the far right oh, are both point. dangerous because they're both the far left and the far right. I mean, I'm talking like the extreme far right and extreme yeah. far left. Both claim to be fighting for something, but something they, greater than themselves. Yeah, and, and they both have this. Uh, what I would say, in some way, authoritarian yeah, ideas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're both fascists in many ways. The far left says they're fighting fascists, but they're fighting fascism with their own form of fascism. It's like, well, what? what? And then you got the far right saying, well, we're fighting, you know, communism, but then they're advocating for something that's still not communist, but still totalitarian type of, it's it's crazy. It's like, there's like, you know, these extremist types. Yeah. Where, what is, um, where is the far left rooted and where is the far right rooted? Where do these ideals come from? Because they feed off each other, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, a lot, the rise of, the, they, they, they feed off each other. Mm-hmm. They really do. And because they're so, uh, I hear, like, I kind of, I do agree with what you're saying that they seem to feed off similar things and kind of reach not exactly similar conclusions, but they kind no. of treat things a similar way. But they're so diametrically opposed at the same time that. I think they both want to control people in different ways, okay. and that's and 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 they and people inherently get, that's not gonna that's no, not the best way to run not. a government. You, you can be left wing, you can be right wing. I don't care, but as long as you respect other people, as long as you're re- ready to engage in dialogue and civil debate, that's essential to democracy. When you have a healthy right wing and a healthy left wing and a healthy center, that's very essential to democracy. But what we have, when we have these polarized sides, and you have a very, very far, far, far right and a very far, far, far left, who are so against this. Well, especially the far left today, they're very against discussion. They're very against sitting down and having a dialogue. They call anybody who doesn't agree with them a bigot, a Nazi, a this, a that. You know, they just they is just the throw right, these words out. Is the far right also? Well, there well, there's a lot of people on the far right who are racist and they yeah. got their own. They got the they have that white supremacy fringe, the alt right. Well, that's something different, but yeah, they're they're beyond the far right. They're like they're white. They're based. They're white supremacists on the right on the far right. So. Yeah. 
Um, they've got a lot of oh yeah, they've got a lot yeah, they've got a lot of problems on the far far. But we know that we yeah. we we are that's something that's known. That's something that's established. The far left though is this. Oh, that's interesting that you say that. Yeah. That this this um the alt right, the white supremacists, mm-hmm. and um, I, I don't know much about it. Uh, just to, I just want to I keep saying that because I want to clarify just where I'm coming from from my knowledge base mm-hmm. in case I say anything that is like terribly grossly wrong. Mm-hmm. But um. That seems, like you said, that seems to be flushed out. We really know what that looks like. You we know, know what, what I mean? it is. They're is not, this they're not new... hiding what their yeah. agenda is. I mean, is... they're pretty... They're, the, the scary part about the alt-right is yeah. they're what you might call polished white supremacists. So they're not behaving the same way that neo-Nazis behave. They're coming in with suits and ties. They're trying to look very professional. But they have the same ideology, essentially. I mean, it's the yeah. same ideology. They're, they're white supremacists. They're, yeah. they're, they're a whole other level of crazy. One thing that I've noticed is people, they, they sniff it from like a mile away. We're like, I know what that looks like. Yeah. You know what I mean? But is the far left now, is that something new? No, because they're, they're masquerading their agenda in the name of being progressive, in the name of being liberal. I don't even call them really liberal. They're not liberal. Liberal is, I consider myself in many ways to be liberal. I think classical liberalism is, uh, classical liberals, it's, it's everyone's, many people are classical liberals. Yeah. They, I think the majority of people fall somewhere near that close center line. And- they appropriated the, the word liberal, to, but they're really not, they're leftists. Yeah. Far leftists. They're not really, they, they, they've, I would say they've appropriated the word liberal though to, to, in order to, make themselves seem more sound more appealing but they're not really they're that, liberal does sound liberal more appealing than, than leftist <laughs> yeah. or no than leftist yeah, than like leftist, leftist. Yeah. like because that's what i they're leftist they're okay, they're, yeah. they're left they're far left wing and i i don't and they've appropriated that word and they're masquerading what they're doing in the name of being progressive in the name of like you know but they have their own agenda they want to shut down a lot of freedom of speech and anybody who doesn't agree with their way of, of, of looking at things, their outlook is basically you're is an awful person, a bigot and this and mm-hmm. that. They call people in the center bigots. I mean, they're nuts. They're nuts. Yeah. It's like, how do you have a conversation politically if you're just going to call the other side? I mean, you can't have a debate with a conservative commentator. Then how are you going to uh, when what do you stand? How are you going to uh, reach larger crowds of people to, to follow what you're preaching? If you can't even defend yourself and your convictions on a stage like in a university with a conservative commentator, a lot of conservative commentators are not allowed to speak at these universities. That's uh, something banned. That, yeah, that is something I, I've. What we were talking about before is that really the, the university is a, uh, and again, I, I especially well from the picture you're painting, it doesn't seem like it really doesn't seem like we have enough of a really equal dialogue in the universities, especially no. because that's the best thing about democracy. And I think that when it works best in my own mind is that when you can have everybody have a good voice and have the uh, the ability for especially the young people in universities to be able to learn and make their decisions from there. Be, be objective and to really be able to make, reach their own conclusions and not be fed this one narrative, yeah. shoved down their throats, and then they get out of school and they think, oh my God, I come from an awful country, we have an awful system, and this and that. Like... No, that's they need to be given the tools to want to strive harder and to and to appreciate mm-hmm. where they're from and understand the good things about our system and our country and our society and how we operate before they come to this conclusion of we need something new and then they support people with some crazy revolutionary radical ideas from the far left and they're mm-hmm. like oh, this is what we need this is what we need to go in this direction and then I say well look at the countries that did take that direction 
are they or you think they're doing so well? They're not. Yeah. <laughs> they're not. It's like the funniest that the biggest hypocrites are, you know, they go to these private universities and fancy education. They're spending 200 grand on a college four year degree. And then they're coming out preaching something, a, a system of government where a, a, a university like that would never even exist. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> it's like, how, how does that, uh, how would that not, um, how would it exist? Well, it would, if, if the government controlled education, there oh, was no okay. private anything. Okay, yeah. yeah, there would be no private university. And yeah. if these professors who are feeding all this socialist garbage to young people, why don't they live by that example and redistribute their own incomes and their own pensions? It's like, they're not going to do that, of course. It's hip, it's all hypocrisy. It's all this kumbaya, ideological, you know, oh, I'm morally superior because I believe in a system that claims to fight for everybody and, and equal equal wealth and equal this and no it's not it's based if you want to be a slave to the government then go live in a country where you can be a slave to the government i my family part you know like i said came part of us came from the soviet Mm -hmm. union we lived under that way of life we did not like living under that way of life we suffered people died people people were tortured in prisons and and, you know let's like if you people want to live that way then go to countries where that still exists internationally is there um so so let's let's kind of shift to this international yeah. type of the stage here. We were talking about the Cold War and everything in the mm-hmm. history there, which was um, extremely fascinating too. Internationally, is there somewhere um, where they are kind of gearing more towards this socialist aspect where it is working really well? Well, no, no. no like I said, no, pure socialism? No. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we have these social democracies, these capitalistic countries that have yeah. a lot of social programs. Yeah. Yes, in Scandinavia, they're very small. You know, Sweden's like 11 million people. That's like less yeah. than the state of Pennsylvania. How come? I mean, how come it is? So this might be a really stupid question. Yeah. How come it is so much easier to execute on a smaller scale? Than well, because it, it's just the amount of people that like you in have, the, it's and like the opinions. A, it's and, like in the U.S. Okay. Yeah. It's like we have these small, we have states. A lot of things work well at the state level, but not at the federal level. Like something done in Pennsylvania that works for Pennsylvanians might not work for people in California. Oh, oh okay. You see that, what I'm that, saying? No, that that just, that brought a lot of things in my whole life of of looking at politics yeah. together. That uh, I'm really glad we sat down and talked about this because and, yeah. uh, it's almost like, especially in the United States with how big it is, each state is almost kind of its own little cultural country. Exactly. Right? And that's why a lot, that's why the conservatives and Republicans are often fighting for, you know, let things, let's leave more power to the state, whereas Democrats want the, the central government, the federal government to be more, to have more power. And this debate goes back to the founding fathers in the 1700s. Some people wanted the states to have more uh, yeah. say in what they do, and some people wanted the central government, the federal government in D.C. Yeah. to have more say. Um, it's that, you know, and we're still having this this conversation today. I think this certain things the federal government needs to take care of and certain things are better handled at the state level because, like, yeah. every state's different. Even, you know, ev- every state has its own way of doing things, its yeah. own certain kind of professions and yeah. industries. And it, I yeah. think states should have some more power and more say in their internal affairs. Yeah. I don't think people in Montana or people in Texas or people in Rhode Island should be dictated by yeah. people in D.C. on every little thing. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think that... Um, I just think it makes sense to me because of a, a cultural thing that yeah. you, cause I've, like I said, I, I went to just, it's a really prevalent in cities as, as I went, I, I live in Philly yeah. and then I went over to California and it's definitely a complete different culture and yep. people treat each other differently, not in a good or bad way. It's just different. It's just yeah. different. And the ability to really have that is really good. The yeah. vibe, the yeah. vibe. 
Yeah, you can really tell that, uh, especially going from different coasts. But uh, the Middle America is something that um, also fascinates me as well because we were talking about. I do want to talk more about the international like, yeah, dictatorships. We can and everything. go back to me. Yeah. yeah, I want to get back to that. Um, one thing that's been on my mind that I've kind of I think I've talked about on the podcast before is how do we, as we modernize, we were talking about blue collar workers yeah. and, and education. I get this sense that they and this is maybe why we were talking about earlier and why they uh, really identified and voted for Trump is they are kind of getting left behind, right? Because yeah. And that's just oh, yeah. the modernization of our society. Yep. And is there a way that we can kind of help these people along or what can we do? We just, we need to, we need to try to keep some things going on in those small towns. We don't want to threaten their industries. When Hillary Clinton was talking about getting rid of coal, well, she lost Ohio and West Virginia right there. And and I must say, Ohio is a swing state. And Southern Ohio is still, is Appalachia. It's coal, uh, coal, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, that's their, that's a big part of their economy. And those, you know, all those small states with smaller populations, small towns, they've been ignored. They use a lot of them used to vote Democrat, but the Democrat party today has forgotten those people. And instead of trying to regain those people, now the Democrat party instead is focusing on, you know, the whole illegal immigration issue. Well, why are they so soft on illegal immigration all of a sudden? It's not just because Trump's against it. Mm -hmm. It's because they know that when illegal immigrants come to the United States and they have children here, the so-called anchor baby, whatever they call it, um, when the children are born here, oh, there's a. I didn't realize there was a, a name. That's what. Yeah, that's like a. Yeah. It's kind of a. That's how far behind. Controversial <laughs> term, but yeah. it's they call it, when people who are illegal they have kids in the United States. Like kids are United or U.S. birthright citizenship. Okay. Yeah, it's a tactic people use to you know, just get you know get themselves situated here and not necessarily deported and. Yeah. Um, who, statistically, most of those the children of illegals are all very more of them are voting Democrat than Republican. Yeah. And if Democrats are very soft in illegal immigration, show sympathy for illegal yeah. immigrants, and you know programs like DACA and all like get some kind of amnesty for a lot of illegal immigrants to become uh, citizens, they're going to vote Democrat. Okay, so it's like it's yeah. like the new there's a new voter base there's there's a political advantage so and that's oh, where i'm okay. like you know what you're you guys are putting your party before before america before americans it's like you, you're soft in legal immigration not because you care about legal immigrants but because you're looking for future votes mm-hmm. and that's why you know it used to be a bipartisan issue where both parties said they maybe had slightly different approaches, but both parties were saying no. We should we need to control the number of illegal immigrants. Of video, yeah, I have seen a lot of videos where, like, um, especially Obama, where he's talking hard on illegal Obama, Chuck Schumer, yeah. Nancy Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein, impor- yeah. all of them. I think it's important to to look at and note those because this is for me personally. I don't know if this this doesn't seem to have any political weight um, or I don't know how long it would take for something like this to be executed. I would love for there to be an avenue for people to easily come to America and be able to and, and safely integrate or whatever yeah, it yeah. is um, because it is the land of opportunity. And exactly. I want people to come here. Um, I really don't know how we navigate this, this, this border issue because that is a really hot topic Look. here because I don't want to bar people from here and I want people to come here and, and be safe here and really lead good lives here. But then, again, I really don't know how how does this all work. Well, and, I think we can't allow illegal immigration to just continue. I mean, 
it's part of the economy now. Like there's a whole people we rely now on like a lot of legal yeah. immigrants to do a lot of works that Americans don't want to do. So, yeah. But I don't think we should allow legal immigration to continuously increase, increase drastically, and have more and more and more and more because it's going to be it's 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 going to start creating problems. Interesting. First of all, when people come in illegally, we don't know who they are. When I, when you try to come in legally, yeah. you get vetted. You get there's criminal background checks on in your native country. You have to pass all kinds of you know yeah. exams and clearances and whatnot. Illegal immigrants. Someone just hops across a fence. We don't know who they are. Yeah, I agree that. Like, I definitely agree that that's like not a good way. Yeah, I'm wondering if um, is there like an easier avenue? I mean, there there are. It's it's legal. There's something called legal. Look, my grandparents yeah. immigrated this country legally. Yeah. They waited three years. They did everything the right way. Yeah. They got to this country. They didn't get yeah. any handout from the government. Yeah. There was no social program there to support them. Yeah. They worked their way up. They were struggling. They were poor. My, they had to learn yeah. English. They had to learn, you know, my grandmother at the time was yeah. a seamstress in a factory. My grandfather was a, was a, was a carpenter. Yeah. And they worked their way up and they yeah. built that American dream. And eventually they were able to move out of the yeah. small apartment they were living in. They got a house, but they worked towards it. They worked yeah. hard. They didn't come in with a sense of entitlement. They didn't have any program at that yeah. time there was less social programs there was nothing to help them out to give them a yeah. boost they did it all on their own and they waited their turn they waited in line three years until they were able to get you know yeah. the proper papers to get yeah. into the country yeah i and those stories like i, I really love those stories because yeah. they're really interesting and they're like they really touch like what it is to come here and how much it means to people mm -hmm. to be over here and like one thing at uh, the optimist in me like I, I hear those stories and I agree, but I also think is there a way to expedite that to make it fast? And I don't. I'm not saying like just let people over. I'm saying like I do want people to to be able to work hard and do hard. Is there a way to? We you know, need you immigration reform. We need like a system where it, it it it's workable. I think we should bring in more people. There's a lot of countries where we we hardly bring in anyone. Okay. I think only 3% of the immigrants who come in annually come from Africa. I think that number should be like 20 something percent or so. Like we should have more because like, cuz there's there, there, yeah. yeah, like there's like certain are areas of the world where we have very few people coming in and I feel like we should have more people coming in from those places. There's so many great intellectual minds in those countries who don't have opportunities there because they live in developing countries and yeah. they don't have the same you know but they, there's a lot that they can offer our country people from africa from east asia and like we should have more immigrants coming from places where you have a lot of people who actually do have a college education but due to the circumstances that their countries are in they don't have opportunity and they want to go somewhere where they can live yeah. that like that american dream yeah we should try to bring in more people from those types of places yeah that's what really that's what i want is i want to be able to share that american yeah. dream with because i am very lucky to i just genetically am lucky to be born here yeah. you know what i mean i just drew the lottery to be born in america yeah. and that's i want to be able to share that with everyone but i don't want to make it so that it somehow hinders other people's lives you know what i mean well, we can't have open borders that's for sure because open borders you what have three a, billion people coming in our country and it, then it'll be like ah what do people mean by do they mean just completely yeah uh, i don't yeah. understand when people far say, left far left people are advocating for open borders some that, of um, them abolish ice the um ice they, they want to abolish ice um they want which is like a huge agency that does a lot of work in cracking down on drugs and a lot and and, and smart human trafficking and smuggling they won't abolish it because they yeah. think that some of their policies are too harsh i mean these people they they and they believe in all this 
half of it is 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 exaggerated fake news that's being spread around to smear our law agencies that are doing that are putting their lives out there to keep Americans safe to actually help a lot of illegal immigrants who sometimes come in and and are in you know children who've been smuggled in all kinds of situations to get people the medical care and attention that they need yeah, see, that's really important because there's a lot of these there's a lot of these people that come over and they just they are coming from literally terrible yeah. situations and they're and, showing these they're like oh there's like this whole oh, they're in cages these some of these detention centers are like little mini day like like to children who go in some of these detention centers because they're somebody whether it was their parent or some adult smuggled hmm. them across the border illegally they're they they're they're in better conditions than they were in their home countries. I and I I believe that. Yeah, they're in I, these detention centers because they got daycare, they got entertainment, they got they're getting they're being taken care of. Now I don't think they should be there. That's where the controversy is. How long are they in these facilities? Mm-hmm. It should be a quick process. Yeah. If they're going to get sent back yeah. to where they come from, they should be sent back mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah. They shouldn't be sitting in limbo. I mean, that to me, that to me is yeah. People say it's like a human right violation or something, but yeah, I think that uh, like taking kids away from their parents and stuff. Yeah. I, I think that's definitely not good. It's, it's not good. Um, it's it, it, it's 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 not good. and there's a reason why they're doing it yeah. but it's still not and i like i i agree with a good amount of the fair amount of things you're saying the one thing that upsets me is yeah. that um and this is like the the good part of me is that um that i was talking about before where they come over here from terrible situations yeah. and i want them to be able to live here and and not get sent back into a life of poverty and, yeah. and, and i want them to have an opportunity that's where i'm like fascinated is there a way that Yes, they came here illegally, and well, that's 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 not good. That's not good because we. I want um, I, I want people to be okay. Let me let me clarify and gather my you, thoughts I, here. Yeah. I want people to get here legally and have. But I want it to be easier for people. And if the people that do get here illegally that are coming from terrible poverty situations, I really empathize because I don't want them to go back to that. But how do I find a way to where? Um, we still have our, I guess, our security, right? Yeah. And but we still have these avenues for people that are a little bit easier. Do you like you kind of see? What I know like, what I you're saying. This, this well, DACA where... is supposed to be for children of, you know, they were brought over as kids. Their parents were mm-hmm. came in illegally, and they're illegal, but that they shouldn't have to suffer the price of what their parents did. Like there are these, there we have like this dialogue of like how yeah. to, but at the same time, we don't want to create an incentive for more people to come in illegally because we want. Yeah, that's, that's Trump yeah. wants there to be deterrence. Yeah, and it, it's it's it is it is it is a complex issue. There's a lot of emotion tied to it. You, I, people feel bad, and they should. We we all should feel sympathy, but at the same time, we also have to recognize See, that. Yeah, we, like it really does hurt. Yeah, like, it does. It does upset me that. They I would mean, have to go back to, you know what I mean? And then and to yeah. see people in these detention centers, like I said, yeah, like I said, they are these modern facilities. They've got daycares. They've got medical assistance. They got like they're they're, they're treated very humanely. Then in Is other that, countries, they're not. Illegals yeah. cross into in other countries. A lot of them are, are are end up in jail or they're they're thrown out. They're in awful conditions and awful. I mean, I saw a story what happened in North Africa. Um, cause I, I don't, you know, I'm part Moroccan, so I follow yeah. the news in North Africa a we lot. We have to, we have yeah, to Yeah, we will that. touch on that. We have to talk I about I follow that. the North Africa, you know, news in Algeria, which is a country next to Morocco. They had illegal, mig- you know, economic migrants coming in illegally from sub-Sahara Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, 
from like some countries in West Africa. They traveled across the Sahara Desert into mm-hmm. Algeria, which is a yeah. North African country for those who don't know. Okay. Um, it's on the Mediterranean coast. They came in. They were caught. You know what the Algerian government did? And I think this is awful, just awful. They took them on buses and, and vans and they drove them right back to the desert, dropped them off and said, leave and forced them on foot without food or water to go back into the Sahara, back to where they came from. Yeah, see, that's, that is inhumane. Yeah. So when people talk about something, oh, people are in detention centers on the border, it's awful. And they're compare they have the audacity to compare it to a concentration camp which i find just crazy mm-hmm. i mean that that i hate when people make these awful yeah, comparisons the, and parallels it yeah. trivializes yeah. the experience of people who actually yeah. went through a I real think, genocide because yeah, I, I don't i don't have the full scope and yeah. understanding of what these um what these uh detention centers look like i i imagine not all of them are perfect well, and i'm some sure are, there's some and, flaws yeah and i'm sure that um I I don't know. I I'm sure that just the ability to have food and water yeah, is a much better in their situation. Own country, yeah, yeah, they they don't have, but um, I that is. Uh, but they shouldn't be kept in limbo, and their yeah. children should not be separated from them in a detention center, yeah. and they're in these little daycares, yeah. and and it goes on for months and months, and they haven't been reunited with their families if they're if they're if they're with their family. I mean, it, it, there are these things, and I think part of that is just sometimes government agencies can they, they can work a little slow sometimes they're not always super yeah, quick i think that's pretty yeah I mean, that's true i've been detained you know when they do these random checks at homeland security at the airport and sometimes you'll be waiting for hours because they're not always quick and i can imagine people coming in illegally when they get caught and they're in these detention centers they're they're, they're kept in limbo for you know weeks and weeks and months and months it's it's because government should work quicker yeah. and find it. That, yeah, that's know. kind of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Is like I want governments to be able to work quicker to get these people some sort of and, and some sort of. If you want to verify situation. that this child belongs to this adult and make sure this is their parent, and make sure they're not being you know this is some human trafficking smuggling situation going yeah. on, which is why, which is partly why the a lot of why the separation thing was going on was because some of these kids were actually not with their oh, parents. I didn't. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. Some know of them. That. There's there's human. There's a lot of like. I know smug- there's a lot of trafficking. Yeah, and, yeah, sometimes they're with random adults. They're with you know it could be all kinds of things, and they got to investigate to verify who is who the heck is who because you know and. And that's, but if they are separated from their parent for a brief period of time, in, in order to ensure that really is their parent, it should be a very quick process to find out whether or not it's that that's their parent. Yeah. It shouldn't be a weeks and months where they're, you know, where they they're in limbo and they're they're not with their children and the government hasn't d- determined yet who if it is their parent or not. I mean, yeah. it shouldn't be like that. And I think Trump woke up and he saw because it was a very unpopular thing. And they did. I think they I believe they did reverse a lot of that whole separation policy. I mean, okay. they reversed a lot of what they were doing because it caused a big outrage. Mind you, though, this, this type of stuff, similar things were going on under Obama. Nobody was saying a thing. Because, I think there was one situation where yeah. there was a picture that was posted that was actually from, from the Obama, Obama era, yeah, and it yeah. was from a. Pro- Protest. It wasn't even from the real situation uh, yeah. thing. It was not to say that there wasn't, like you said, the separation happening yeah. under Trump. Yeah, but um, but it's become exaggerated. It's become very. Um, really? They're using these like images from like like you said from the Obama era to try to like paint a negative yeah. image of and Trump and his administration. Real quick to say, I think that that just kind of goes to show you that not every president really has all these things together. And it this is what we were talking about before, how media really yeah. kind of can drive these things because the vitriol and hate that is around Trump, especially in the media, yep. that, um, I, and again, I don't know how, again, I don't know how extreme or the exact situation and parameters under Obama, if it was, mm-hmm. but it had to have happened a couple times 
but under Trump, it's definitely been amplified to the point where it's it, it's, a it's lot, fed the yeah. fire against Obama. Him. Did a lot of things that were controversial, but nobody ever heard about it because the media did not highlight it. They only talked about the good things. They didn't talk about some. Of, they didn't talk about some of his controversial border policies as well. At that time, it was okay, but when Trump does the same thing, oh, it's a problem. It's bad, and. I, people need to wake up and see it. I, I woke up. I see it. I see the hypocrisy. That's why, you know, a couple years, like I said, I was a Hillary supporter once upon yeah. a time. And here I am now yeah. kind of defend, yeah. defending Trump in some ways because I see the hypocrisy. And this yeah. has pushed me more to the right because I'm sick of the hypocrisy. And there's hypocrisy on both sides. But I feel like right now the hypocrisy is a lot stronger on the left than the right. Mm-hmm. Really? That's my opinion. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And I, I just don't. It's like pe- people are just whatever. If Trump cured cancer, they'd say cancer has a right to exist, and that's not good. And you know, it would be anything. I, like, I don't know about that. Who knows? But, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's this meme. I get the I get the gist of what like, you're saying. Like, yeah. it's like everything is like anything against him, and it's. I think it's not. It's not productive. I do remember people it's being definitely against not productive. Obama. It's definitely not productive. Yeah. Obama encountered this too with Republicans in this first term, but I don't remember it going on this like this much. I don't remember yeah. there being this much. Is this kind of what we um, were saying before, is that um, because of the concentrated uh, population and how the media is concentrated, especially in liberal areas, mm-hmm. where I guess maybe, let's say we had lived in middle, middle America with uh, really, let's say we had a a news station that was re- a, a really high quality conservative station, and mm-hmm. they called these things on Obamas. Maybe we weren't hearing these things uh, from there. Is that is that a possibility or? Um because that, that's what, what I, that's what it seems like it would make sense to me is that the reason we it, it comes down to how the media is really kind of portraying all of this. Like maybe because we have this, um, like you're saying, most of the media is liberal. Yeah. So we're hearing all this hate and betrayal for Trump. Maybe if we had had a more conservative media we would have had those. well we have fox people can criticize fox news if it wasn't for fox news who some... would challenge this narrative that we're yeah. constantly being taught yeah or told I, maybe it, it is good that they're challenging the narrative they do some shady stuff sometimes they do i think every yeah. but everybody does fox I, news I, is biased but yes yeah. they're all biased so what yeah. the, why people say fox news that's right-wing propaganda and what msnbc and cnn are objective <laughs> like what are you like i want to laugh when i yeah. hear that is there, i want to laugh i definitely think that the, the media is very it, it doesn't it if you pick the the media station yeah it's going to be biased in one way or another yes i have a question for you what, what do you think uh if i had to consume my media because i as i'm talking to you here yeah. now and i'm really realizing um like i've been interested in politics a mm-hmm. little bit i've kind of just gotten my feet wet a little bit i'm really realizing how out of depth i am on the information yeah. where what would you suggest to people if i wanted to consume my media where's a good place to really go because you gotta go everywhere you gotta read i i i'm not against liberal media. i I read a lot of liberal media but i but i also read conservative media okay cnn you just gotta put washington post i read it i also read wall street journal new york times fox news um do you have a preference um i don't really i like the wall street journal i don't know why i always like the wall street journal Mm -hmm. i'm not a fan of the new york times and washington post lately because they have a very they have clearly a very strong left-leaning bias Mm -hmm. um i used to like cnn years ago but lately cnn has just and that's why that's why look trump called them out and that's why they hate him more now than ever he called them out he said like you guys you guys misportray things all the time they do they do 
this is making a little more sense. They, to he me. called them when out. He called them out, and then because um, he definitely called them out. Look at Jim Acosta. Yeah. At the, Jim Acosta has like this yeah. attitude, like I'm the only journalist here, and he comes to these press meetings and he and he, the, the press conference and all, and he tries to like talk over everyone, and yeah. he thinks it's like his show. Like you're here to ask a question, ask the damn question, and then yeah. sit down. Don't try to turn this into a lecture. You're here to as a journalist. There's like there's no more journalists. Yeah. Like eth- there's like they have no the ethical standards of like journalism has like really gone far downhill i mean look at anderson cooper an amazing brilliant guy actually spent like an hour with freaking uh, stormy daniels interview some freaking porn star from like 15 years ago i'm like what are you doing you're way above this like 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 what is this tabloid stuff it's like ridiculous i guess that kind of is yeah i'm like what are you saying like and they and then anything they they post they don't they don't verify things like that thing um that happened in in Washington D.C. with the Covington High School, those Catholic I, school boys. You heard that story? No, I haven't. I haven't. There was a Native American um, activist and some guys in Make America Great Again hats, and they they said there oh, was a I confrontation. Did I did hear about this. And the clip they they took thirty sec like a ten second clip. I or, heard I've, I heard this on Rogan. Yeah, and that um even on Rogan they had a not an argument they had a they just had a disagreement because. It seemed like Jamie, his uh, his um, his uh, tech guy. Yeah, he was saying that he saw something different, and Rogan was saying, "Well, no, 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 it didn't happen that way." And yeah. it seemed like the clip had been cut a bunch of different well, ways. Well, yeah, to... and if you actually saw the full video, you would see that really nothing happened. It was act. There was actually another group that had provoked the whole issue, and and that the the, yeah. the, the 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 high school boys they really didn't do anything, but it was portrayed that way because. The media jumped right on it because, well, they're in MAGA hats, Make America Great Again hats, and, oh, this is going to make Trump supporters look bad, like racist, like this, like that. So they right away jumped on this story without verifying what exactly happened. If they had verified what happened, fake news like that would have never gotten out. Yeah. Fascinating. I mean, it's— One thing I want to just touch on real quick is that uh, I want to finish this thought of when Trump— did call out CNN? I guess because uh, they are biased yeah, against him. I think, more I think that's just you can just say that. And um, Obama used to do the same thing to Fox News, but mm-hmm. it's I think it's it it's a tell of how most of the media is liberal because when he did call them out, there seemed to be an outcry from a, a much larger outcry and louder outcry from all the people I guess that worked at those places. Like you really hear about it when he does it. Mm-hmm. Or if it's just a combination of the hate that's around him, but when uh, when Obama did to Fox News, I, I think uh, I think the bubble is a little bit more apparent because he and I, I like well, I, again it's acceptable when he did it, but when Trump does it, it's like oh yeah. Trump's evil, Trump's this, Trump's yeah. that. It's like and look, m- maybe some of his grounds don't make sense, and the way that he does go about it on Twitter and stuff, I'm not. Really I a don't fan really of. like. Some I, I of think his he Twitter should get rant. rid of his Twitter. I think he should get but rid of his Twitter. I get what he's doing though. Part yeah. of it is he he always said. I want to be transparent with the people. That's why I use. I think he just needs to be more eloquent on Twitter. But yeah. do you part think of he? It, uh, do you think he's being transparent and honest? Or no, no, I don't think any political figure is transparent and honest. But I think he is a lot. In point. many ways, he is. Fair, though. fair point. <laughs> in many ways, he is. Though I'll okay. tell you why. They come criticize him because he still has his rallies. He goes to different parts of the country to still speak with people. He's not just sitting in D.C. Okay, campaign's over, election's over. Now I'm going to sit in D.C. and do what I want to do and just listen yeah. to my advisors. He's still going out to these places to talk to people, to meet with people. That is what a, other president did that? Yeah. He's and going to like these little towns in the middle of nowhere and he's having these huge rallies and 30,000, 40,000 people are filling up the stadium. Is just it 30,000, 40,000? Sometimes they're yeah. huge. Mm-hmm. 
Fascinating. No, that's one thing I, I've noticed is that I, I was my parents were sitting down watching the news one day, and I was saying, uh, I was like, he's still like kind of campaigning, like he's still. Going I don't out think there's do... anything wrong with that. I think no, no, I'm not amazing. saying there's anything wrong yeah, with it. But, but people uh, criticize him for it. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's he's trying to speak to the American people, and he's like going to different different places and still talking to yeah. people. I do mean, you think the great. the focus is that, or that he's setting up for his next uh, both? But both. both. Okay, yeah, I think it's that's both. Fair. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, then there's nothing wrong with that. No, I no, said, there's you. You almost you have to do those things in order to. Other presidents didn't do it. Yeah. Um, he's doing it. He uh, definitely has his own flavor of how he's going about all this, whether you agree with it or not. Yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. I think 2020 will be very interesting. Who do you think? Uh, well, who do you think will come forward on the demo? I know you said named a couple names. Um, who do you think will pull apart? Because I don't. The way really it normally right works now. is just uh, there won't be any Republicans. That Trump is just going to run again. Yeah, they, they won't oppose him. I yeah. think. The Democrat side, if they're smart, they'll put someone like Biden in there because Biden would really be seriously would. He's very likable. Yeah, he's more centered. He could beat Trump. I even I, I like Biden. So Biden really Biden. Could what do you be, uh, what do you like about him? I like him as a person. Yeah, I think he's more moderate. I can agree with not everything, but some of his policies I can agree with. I think his vision for the Democrat Party would actually save the party from the direction it's going in right now. Okay. Uh, but if he's not in there and they pick someone who's more like to the left. More of this this farther left yeah, stuff that like we're talking about. People who are just way out there. Elizabeth Warren, who I think isn't not a... <laughs> I don't know anything, anything she's about her. She's just... Really. <sighs> Other Trump, than what's uh, uh, the, the tabloid news article. Yeah, Trump makes fun of her a lot. Um, mm-hmm. You got Kamala Harris... I don't think it's good that he um it's it works for his campaign it seems when he yeah. when he makes fun of these people but I don't think it's good for the the conversation No it's that. not yeah. it's not cuz I think that yeah. both sides are kind of at a point where they don't really want to converse right now No anyway. they don't and that's part of the problem and that's that's why you don't have these well, I always listen to the other side, but some people don't want to listen to to my side. They don't want to listen to someone who leans more to the right. They want to just shut us down and they're very patronizing towards many groups of people i feel the left does not they like to play this identity politics game they love identity politics and mm-hmm. intersectionality that's like this huge huge you know thing that they play on and it's like they just they just use all kind of divisive they're very divisive many way times they're more divisive, I think, than the right. They just masquerade it in the name of being progressive. But they're actually very divisive. Categorizing people, telling people, oh, because of this, you're not gonna be able to you're not gonna have this privilege because you're this and you're not gonna be able to accomplish what you want in life. Who the I, hell? I, I don't kinda... think that's a good way of going. No, yeah, it's not. That, yeah. It's not. And I and I I found so you were talking about media. This so there's a social media page called Turning Point. Yeah. It's conservative leaning youth, people in their twenties, and they and they have a lot of interesting videos. Um Mm-hmm. Candace Owens and Charlie Kirk, I think. I've are, heard I've heard those names. They've been on Rogan. Yeah, yeah. They're very smart. She, Candace Owens is brilliant. I'm very inspired by a lot of things she said. Yeah. She's put a lot of things yeah. uh, says a lot of things that make sense. Yeah. And just rational ideas. And I listen to her and I really now understand what she means when they say the Democrats they love identity politics. Yeah. They're obsessed with talking about race all the time. They're very 
they 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 feed off these themes and because uh, they're they're pe- they're patronizing towards minority groups, okay. telling them vote for us and we're going to save you. Where does like, the um, I, where does the because I think just categorizing people yeah. and putting them into these categories doesn't really help the discourse. No, it doesn't. But where does it um where does it meet where we can help the people that actually do face these these troubles that re- these real well, struggles about uh, living as a minority and everything like that and you got it just. Because I again like invite I said, these people to actually like talk to these people, meet these people, discuss with these people. Don't speak I guess that's in what we're missing is, is really them. people just, discussing. Yeah, just don't speak like in their name. Interesting. Get give them a voice. Don't but but don't be patronizing. Yeah. And if they don't have the same opinion as you, don't call them like a traitor or this and like they hate when they see minorities on the right and trump has more a lot of support from minorities more than other republican candidates in the past um and and the left knows this now and they're scared and they they don't like people like candace owens rising up Mm -hmm. they don't like when individuals have their own opinion i think that's really patronizing and racist in itself to have this idea that just because someone has really? a certain skin color they have to vote democrat or they have to be leaning to the left that that definitely doesn't make yeah. sense to me and I a think lot people of, should yeah. be able to make their own opinion Ex- exactly yeah. and a lot of people on the left have this patronizing attitude towards minorities like how can you vote for a republican you're a minority like yeah. and it's like i don't think I think it should be more like if you're a minority and you face those struggles, you identify with a, yeah. more, a, a party because they have things that you agree with more that will help you in your situation yeah, economically better. Economically or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But not because you are – it's not because you are this minority yeah. you should vote for – you know what I mean? Yep, yep. Yeah. And, 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 they, and they do – and they like – they like I said, they like to play that identity politics game. I don't think Hispanic people, black people, people of color um, – all kinds of minorities. They don't need white left-wing people telling them how to vote. They don't need people calling themselves. I don't think they need anybody no, telling them how to but, vote. But yeah. it's that. But it's this. But it's off. Very often, like I said, white people who who are white and left-wing who are telling minorities, "You must vote for us. You have to vote for us. We're going to help you," and all this stuff. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then call. And then you know, it's like, how does what? that? Why? Um, that's racist and then they say they're they say they're against racism yet they're they have this racist patronizing attitude towards minorities they don't need white people telling them how to vote they can vote however the heck they want to vote yeah and then we have yeah i can see that it's just i can see where the fear comes from though yeah. because on the far right like we were saying before where you actually have this like deep-rooted no you do oh of course but they're exaggerating it on the left to tell them look they're all racist they're all racist yeah not not all of them uh, like the really extreme far right where they where this like there's a very tiny tiny fringe that's so not it's like a vitriol racism where it's like actual they actually don't like these groups of people but Uh, they're not they don't have a platform they're not given a voice you think like 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 they're 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 shunned they're not that's why they call them the alt-right, because the right does not embrace them. The right outcasted people who think like that, and that's yeah. why they have this alternative right-wing movement, because the mainstream right does not mm-hmm. believe in what they believe. They do not hold racist beliefs. Yeah. They're not, you know, they're, 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 not, they're, not, they're not bigots. They're not, yeah. you know, they're, they're just 
ordinary people from all different walks of life, all racial backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, mm-hmm. you name it, cultures, but they have a more right-leaning approach to how to deal with things yeah. in the country, national security, economy, you name it. Yeah. I want to, you know. One thing I want to ask you, where does the, because uh, I, again, when the election was going on, I followed a lot of the uh, the Bernie Sanders part. Yeah. And then um, I did follow, I, I Hillary was kind of a conundrum for me, so I followed, mm-hmm. I, I was really confused by that. Where did the Trump racism label and, and that get attached? Because I, well, again, because, I don't, like, a lot of people do call him racist, and is he? Like, I well, don't. Where's there, ev- what's, what did he actually do that's racist? That, that's what what's I'm What's the evidence? Oh, like, because he spoke about illegal immigration. So now every time we talk about illegal immigrants, okay. that's going to be, you're, you're a racist? That... Yeah, because he said something, he made a comment that was not politically yeah. correct, that Mexico was sending um rapists and gang yeah. gang members yeah. over does here. it all come from that comment though or is there that he's that's something because he's talking very strongly against islamic extremism now that's they're calling that racism it's anything that any little thing that they can misconstrue you know yeah. they're gonna misconstrue guess, and yeah i guess they but they do it's kind of an interesting fact they they do want to i don't know i because I, I, really I hear have, yeah. i'm now remembering what you said earlier where um, they do. There, it is politics. So I'm sure that they find yeah, that say, there's the all right. He's yeah. he's KKK. Yeah. Excuse I, me. Like, hello, people. The Democrats used to be the party of the KKK. Look at the Democrat Party know. history. People don't even haven't... know the history of the Democrat Party, and they're like, yeah, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen that. So I don't. That was way I, back, like yeah, many years, decades I'll, ago. But <laughs> I'll have to look. I'll have to look yeah. at that and read it because that's um I'll, before I go yeah. and start labeling. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean yeah, on the I podcast. Um. That uh, that they're they're tied to that. I don't no, want to be not doing not today. Yeah, yeah I no. mean, this is years ago. The history yeah. of their party is not so pretty. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I want to uh, I want to get back to this uh, Trump racism. Thing. Yeah. Because I want to know where where did that uh start getting tied in? Where did he well, that that's because that yeah. is one of the main things that people really harp on is that they they don't like him because he's a racist. But and then, yeah. I haven't followed him closely, and like I said, I don't like his Twitter, but I haven't really followed the policies like. Is it because it's a policy thing or I don't no, know? No, they want to, they, they just, any, they, because when you ask them, well, what did he do that's actually racist? And you see videos of this online. They're like, uh, uh, they all have this long pause. They're like, uh, because uh, they're, they're really, he's, he hasn't really done anything yeah. that's because actually he, racist. Yeah. Cause and, like for me, like if he is, I don't want him in office. You know what I mean? Like obviously. I don't want to race. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah like, I, nobody wants, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think he's politically incorrect. But that doesn't. Okay. That's yeah, not yeah. This, there's a line between being politically incorrect and being a racist. Um, I think he's definitely, he's definitely politically incorrect. incorrect yeah. But to call him a racist, I mean, mm-hmm. he, it's, um, he, it's. I don't. It's, if it's, it's not, just they always call Republicans racist. This is okay. this is a tactic they've always been using since the, the, the early. This is it's just this is nothing new. It's not, it didn't start with they called Bush a racist. They called it you know Mitt Romney was a racist. Everyone was a racist. Everyone, if you don't agree with us, you're a racist. That's 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 always then this whole alt right thing, which the media started to magnify on because they tried to play it up like this is Trump's part of Trump's base. Like I said. They're called the alt right for a reason. They're not. They're not the mainstream right. They've been shunned because they're racist and yeah. mainstream right wing people. people they, they don't. They should not yeah, have. Love mainstream right wing people do not want to associate with the alt right. They despise the alt right. They find the alt right to be 
a disgusting group of people, and that's why they've shunned them and outcasted them. Yeah. And the alt right doesn't really have any particular place to spread yeah. their message because they've been shunned by everyone. So they have their own little group scattered around the country, a couple hundred here, a couple hundred mm-hmm. there, and they, they they go on these online forums and they chit chat with each other about you know all kinds of crap and the racist mm-hmm. nonsense. But like I said, they're not embraced by mainstream right wing people. Yeah. So when people try to like act like, oh, the alt-right, Trump is from the alt-right. No, he's not. He's not. He's not. Like I said, Republicans and conservatives, they do not embrace groups with white supremacy. Groups like that, they get shunned. They get all these identifiers really condemned and shunned. For me, all these identifiers really start to (laughs) like alt-right, Republican, Democrat. I can see where. All these identifies really start to muddy the waters and categorizing and really trying to figure out where people lie instead of just going and having these discussions mm-hmm. and having like just your opinions out there and yeah. how can you really figure that out. And that's that's something that I like I said, that's what this all really comes down to is that it seems like that's really what we're missing. We're, we're, there's no diet. They're really they're, well. The, and like I said, the media is, wants to portray people a certain way because like they want they want to. Any way they can tarnish Trump's image. I mean, Trump's already tarnished his image on his own, but just the way he, he definitely acts. does. Yeah. So <laughs> why, why do they want? What are they? They're, now they're trying, but then they make up things. It's like what? Like just give him credit when he deserves credit, and, mm-hmm. and recognize the good things he does, and then call out the bad things he does, and, and, yeah. and they don't. But I don't. They just throw out all these name, these name calling, and and all, like I said, I think a lot. They 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 should look in their own backyard. The Democrat Party today, they've got plenty of racists in the uh, among themselves, and they, they're but they're but they're they're masquerading themselves like they're not, but they are. A lot of them are racist. It's this is not something. The one to, thing that's always interested me though is that it, it seems like they do. It, it seems like they're almost they want the best for. I don't know. I don't want to like label all Democrats, I know, but wait, but so like I'm talking about some. I, I, I yeah. said many. I should really some. I think yeah. there are some racists in the Democrat yeah. Party, but they're not talking about yeah. their own racists. They want to talk about the few racists yeah. that are running around on the right. Yeah. The one thing I can see is like I can see where they want to have the equality for everybody, but going too far down that rabbit hole and categorizing and yeah. just kind of um, making it almost too complicated to where you can't just have a discourse of individuals' yep. opinions yep. and. Which opinion is going to hold up in the court of public opinion, mm-hmm. and how does that all work together? Yep. which is really fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. and it's—I just find like they—we should condemn racism all over, but mm-hmm. don't pretend only one side has a racist fringe. Okay. There's a racist fringe on both sides of the political spectrum, yeah. and both sides of need to be called out, and both sides should always condemn. They're racist. Uh, I guess they, fringes they and, the 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 way that it presents itself is much different. Well, they they're, and, and they masquerade it. it better, so they're able. The racists okay. on the left can hide their racism because they masquerade it in all kinds of things. The right, it's like we know. Well, the far right and the extreme alt right, we know. Like, okay, like you're. Oh, it's pretty. You know, it's more yeah, obvious. Like, you're racist. Okay, but the but the but the far left, they're like. They are that some of the races that are there. They're yeah. they're, hi, they're they're that's where they're I've uh, hiding. That's the one thing that's better. always scared me is getting to the far ends of those side. And that's yeah. what I said at the beginning. Like, I think there's this gray area where we can really find a place where it, the majority of things really work for people. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it the more and more we talk about it, the more and more it's prevalent to me that how the media has played this role and just really uh, how they've 
managed the discourse and guided the discourse of what's Cause people, amongst people. People consume a lot of media, and that's sometimes a good. A good, it's a good, and it has its downsides too. They don't it's do their own media. research. Yeah, it's it's important to have to have access to media and have people learn these things, but it's also really important to have honest media and exactly yeah. exactly and people yeah. should be able to challenge what the media is presenting and yeah. journalists need to conduct themselves better i feel like they're they're yeah. feeding into these narratives and they know better they know better they need to take the politics out of journalism and just present present the facts present what's going on yeah. don't try to misconstrue and take things out of context because Americans have a right to know what's going on. They don't need to be fed things that are not true yeah. or misrepresented. It's just not fair to the American people. Yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. And then to confront those people. Yeah, I mean, really... I mean, Trump's way of confronting it, I, I agree. It's a little, it's, 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 he needs to, he should have respect for the media to call him the media the enemy of the people. I don't agree with that kind of language because yeah. the media is there to keep everyone in check and balance and, to, and, to, and, and it's great. We need that. We, we, we're lucky yeah. we have a free media. Yeah. We have this open media. But the media, I agree with on Trump, is they need to, they need to be more objective and less biased. They're just out to get him in any way that, possible. That the, the most objective that you can be is really what's going to have the best information for mm-hmm. people to have access to them. Let's or talk that they can have yeah. access to. Yeah. Let's talk about what he's doing for the economy. Policy. I, I have no all, idea. I don't have no, any. But I mean, like, that's what the media needs to talk about. Okay, yeah. And they're not because those makes him look good. So they got to talk about, ooh, Trump had a Twitter rant that was bad. Or, ooh, Trump yeah. Trump met with Putin and he gave him a hug. Uh-oh. Or something. Yeah. All kinds yeah. of. Yeah. Is it possible that for, like, the economy stuff that it's the economy seems so complicated to me? Is it possible that policies like many years before could have influenced? Where yes. Now? Yes. But it, everything. Look, the GDP was like two point. Mm hmm. Oh, under Obama when he yeah. left. Now it's four point one under Trump. Like mm-hmm. things have drastically improved in the yeah. first two, in just two years under Trump. Every the stock yeah. market, everything just boom. Like yeah. there was this quick this boom under Obama. It was a very, very, very slow progression. Trump, boom, boom, boom. It's like because Trump is better. He's, he's a businessman. He knows he's good for the economy. He knows what he's doing. I mean, he's 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 he's. he's Mm-hmm. He's not just a talker. He does heard, it. Yeah, I've heard arguments for the other side. I'd have to read it a little bit more, yeah. but uh, well, like, because I again, I don't know anything about the economy. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfor- I'm sorry that I can't. No, no. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I'm not. I'm not. The, I'm not. I didn't study economics, but yeah. I understand generally speaking. And even a lot of people on the left will say, "Yeah, he's good for the economy." But what about everything else? What about well, if we have a shitty economy? Does everything everything yeah, else won't matter? Yeah. It's like well, the whole like we're we're screwed. Like I guess that is a good way of looking at it. If if we have a terrible economy, then yeah. nothing is going to go well anyway. So yeah. while we have this moment of really of really, oh, he wants to build a wall sorry. and all this. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm gonna, I ask people, do you have a lock on your front door? Why, yes, I do. Why, if a robber really, you know, someone's if a robber really wants to break in, a burglar. They can just break a window. Yeah. I think it's a little like, different like, than I know, but like, but, like um, the the comparison. Um, I see what I, you're saying because yeah. people say, "Well, what's a wall going to do? They're going to find a way to come in somehow." Well, that's true. Some people will go that extra mile and will build a tunnel, mm-hmm. go by boat, but the majority won't. Yeah. It's a de- big, big deterrent. When you have a big ass wall, it it does it does create a deterrent, and you will see the number of border crossings. I believe decrease and. Mm-hmm. It, Here's what irritates me. So 
I used to be against the wall. Now I'm actually for it to a certain extent because Homeland Security, our own agencies, our border agencies have actually told Trump we do need a wall in like certain locations because it would make our jobs more easy. And then people are against it. People are against when Trump didn't listen to our agencies and their yeah. advice. But then on this issue, when he actually is, they're on the opposite end saying, oh, Trump should not build the oh, wall. Are they, they are recommending. I, I don't no, know. No, like I, Homeland Security like told him, like I think it was, I don't remember, 14 locations where he needs to build a wall, where the border is very like un, you know, there's not, there's like no, not even a fence or yeah. there's like, there are certain areas at the border that are very porous, and they said if we had a wall there, it would be it would make our jobs easier. We can really stop the number of infiltrations yeah. okay. and people crossing over. And well, people- like I said, like for me, like I can see where, especially for how it works in the microcosm of countries and everything, mm-hmm. how it can help with that. Because, like, ideally, like I was saying before, I would like people just be able to come here. I know, right? but like, yeah, but unfortunately, we don't we live, in, a, live in, in that kind of world. Yeah. And and we had like the biggest fentanyl bust in history a couple of weeks ago. I did I did hear that. I it, mean, it would have killed. Me- yeah, oh, I forget how many people it would have killed. Some something people. ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And like, so imagine people sneaking things in in poorest parts of our border. So much of our drugs are coming from south of our border. So much of the drugs in the United States. It's, if we have a drug epidemic. It's a problem. And we do. It's it's not. There are elements. So even if ninety percent of the legal border crossers are innocent people which i believe they are most of them are innocent hard-working people it only takes one bad apple, apple. you know in a group in a in a, in a hundred people to create problems when they yeah. come in and, and people aren't vetted so for every 100 people that come in 10 are 10 are coming in with bad you know uh intentions and the other 90 are coming in with good intentions well that's a problem because you got 90 good people but 10 people coming in with this is why there's a legal way to enter a country so you can filter out the people who yeah. are bad so it's like and we have a lot of this you know people coming across the border yeah if i believe a wall or more border security and technology could would it was not going to stop everything and people say oh so they're still going to come in but it will decrease the number of people coming in and will decrease the dangerous risks of people coming in with bad intentions like the, the like the maybe the 10 out of every 100 who do have okay i can you know, see whatever the statistic is yeah, i don't know i can kind of see what you're saying you see there, what i'm but, saying like yeah i see what you're saying i i would think that i would love for if that would happen then i would love for then to us somehow figure out a way for the people that do have really good intentions to have an easier avenue i agree Okay, I agree. And that's, that's why Trump would... Trump was even saying, I'll keep DACA, I'll do amnesty and all this stuff, give me the wall. Like he was like, I'm not going to just do something, but let things, the status quo remain. He's yeah. like, I'll be offering yeah. amnesty and things like that if the status quo is improved. Yeah. And he makes a point. He makes a point. And people don't want to recognize that. And yeah, people say, I, well, what's I, a, I hate this argument. What's a law going to do? A lot of big Nancy Pelosi has a gate around her house. A lot of these people live in mansions. Yeah. They got gates I around their homes. And I don't it's think like, it's necessarily a great uh, comparison, but, 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 but I can see what you're saying. But you yeah. have a gate around your private home. You can't put a gate around the United States to protect the whole yeah, country. Yeah. It's like they're hip. It's, it's hypocrisy, in my opinion. And I think, mm-hmm. I think it's 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 unfortunate, but yeah. you, we do need something at the border to yeah. deter people to at least yeah. decrease the number. I'm, I'm like yeah. I said, there are people who are going to go that extra mile to yeah. figure out a way to somehow get in, yeah. but many people are not. A lot yeah. of countries have all kinds of very sophisticated border security, much more than us, yeah. and it works for them. They they they, yeah. they they still have some illegal crossings, but not nearly as much. Yeah. Um, there's an enclave in Morocco, for example. 
Let's let's touch. Um, on, I was thinking yeah. about how we're going to get there. I want to so, touch on Morocco. So yeah. like okay, there's, so Spain has a, has a little enclave. It's called in in, in Morocco. I don't even know what it's called in English, but in Moroccan Arabic, we call it Septa and Melilla, two enclaves that Spain controls. But it's on the North African coast, essentially in Morocco. Mm-hmm. It, historically, it's Moroccan, but Spain still controls it. Yeah. So the se- enclave of Septa, because it's part of the um, Spain's part of the EU and Europe. Right. A lot of migrants trying to get into that little enclave through Morocco, and it's on the North Moroccan coast. And what do they have? They used to have a lot of infiltrators. Well, they have a big wall and all kinds of fences and gates. And guess what? The number of infiltrators significantly decreased. Now, occasionally, they still do have people coming in illegally, hiding in suitcases and cars and getting smuggled in. But the number of infiltrators has sharply, sharply decreased since they increased amount of border security in coordination between Moroccan um, officials and uh, yeah. Moroccan police and, and the Spanish police, Spanish border patrol is, and the Moroccan border patrol. Yeah. They work together in order to stop that num- the number of um, people entering SEPTA illegally yeah. because it's like that gateway to Europe. Yeah. But so, yeah, I can, I, I think we're, we've, we've, covered the wall yeah like, i mean like, i'm just i'm by, just pointing these examples that yeah. like there are no there by are, having the wall you're going to really decrease the, i yeah, think yeah. it will do de- i'm look maybe i don't have the yeah. i used to be against it maybe i'm look people who present their alternate alternative uh I, I do ideas i'm like is, what i wonder if there is a solution that doesn't involve that but i i, I wish there were, i wish it could I just be technology and just like yeah. good better technology but i feel like and then people say, well, there a lot of people yeah. who are here illegally is because of their overstaying visas. Yeah. Their visas expire and they stay longer. That is difficult to monitor. But still, a yeah. very, very large number of people who come in here illegally are doing it through the border, yeah. not through visas. They're literally crossing parts of our border where you could just almost like waltz right in. Yeah. And that's where we do need this. We do need something to, to prevent or yeah. at least decrease I the number. See, yeah. I see... Uh, I can see where having a wall makes things easier. Look, we have security when we yeah. go to an airport. Yeah. I just don't, I definitely don't like the feel of having that. But then again, I understand that we also yeah. don't live in that society where like, a, we, I don't know. It's a very, it's it's not just the one thing I want just, to say yeah. is it is not the issue of just having a wall or not having a wall. There's, it's really, really complex. Yeah. It's really complex I agree. because I can totally see and identify with all the people that say, I want to have these people come over in easier ways yeah. and everything. But then there is also the issue of how to like, like safety and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Josh. I had so much fun recording this conversation. Now this was part one. I know it was a little bit longer. Uh, part two is going to be a little bit shorter and that's coming out next week. Uh, this week we just, uh, I did not really know where to cut the politics part because, uh, there is so much context and information when it comes to a political discussion. So this one's a little bit longer and part two is going to be on the shorter side around 30 minutes, I believe. And it is more about him and Morocco and his history, uh, there and the things that he's doing because he's been involved in the politics over there and everything. And it's one of his passions is discussing what's happening over there because uh, he has some history over there so be on the lookout for that that is coming out next week uh, and i hope you guys enjoyed today's episode if you want to find anything else out about the podcast or you want to learn any more everything is going to be in the description thank you so much for tuning in guys and i will see you next week bye love you guys bye